Welcome to Women Who Open Doors, a podcast where we discover how the lives of extraordinary women intersect and impact others to not only influence their careers, but their personal growth as well. Hi, I'm Julie Cossack Collins, owner and coach of Not Magic. So glad you could join us to learn about some remarkable women. Welcome to Women Who Open Doors today. I'm really excited because it's a first uh, for our podcast. We are doing a crossover podcast uh, between Women Who Open Doors, and I'm joined today with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler from Bridge the Divide, an organization that actually has a podcast as well. So now we're doing a little crossover, so this is kind of cool for me. But let me uh, let me introduce the two ladies that are joining me here today. So Erica Turner is a registered nurse and IT professional in healthcare. Love the two combinations, by the way. <laughs> um, she's an extraordinarily passionate advocate for building a world of racial justice and equity across all facets of her life, focused on forging relationships in the virtually all white suburban community where all three of us that are on the podcast live in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Um, And she is joined with her partner in crime, Heidi Wheeler, who is notably a question asker and change agent. Again, I love that. Advocating for those whose voices are marginalized. She is also a nurse, a professor, a writer, a wife, a mother of four. God bless you for all of those (laughs) um, with uh, deeply held beliefs that led her to be involved in the work of racial restoration. And really together, they formed a a group um, and through different meetings, they discovered they wanted to have and host conversations like we're having today, podcasts and meetings about race, equity, current events. And uh, that's what created Bridge the Divide. Bridge the Divide in Ozaki County, I should say, so where our lovely town is. Um, So welcome, ladies. Thanks for joining me here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Julie. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, why I really wanted um, you both here um, is because I, you know, I've, I've observed, I've listened, um, and really just the work that you guys are both doing is, is not only important in times like we're in today, but just um, I love that you both come from different backgrounds. And for me, that is kind of the model of not just the name of your organization and the podcast, but this whole this whole emphasis of we have to learn from each other that are in different backgrounds. So I really, I really welcome kind of the discussion today about that because it's uh, definitely near and dear to my heart. So I was hoping maybe you could first just just give the listeners for people that aren't familiar familiar with your organization a little bit of background on you know how how the work started between between the two of you. And I, maybe Erica, you can start. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) No problem. No problem. Um, Out the relationship for me and Heidi started at church and, um, you know, church, one of the things that, that I've said before is, you know, I, I'd like for my relationship with God to be mirrored in my relationship with other people. We formed a relationship at church um, and Heidi was one of the few people um, that was wanting to talk to me about my experience as a black woman in a 94% white town. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had never had the opportunity to have those kind of conversations with people because unfortunately most people, especially when they're uncomfortable, 
well, let's talk about something else or let's be positive or let's, you know, so that, that kind of diminished me bringing my whole self to people that I, that I met and knew at church. So those conversations led to an interview, led to, um, we can talk to other people about this, led to, okay, let's talk to all the people about it. And, <laughs> and it, and it's here. I mean, it really didn't seem like something that would have um, occurred on that kind of trajectory, Yeah, but it did. I didn't know if people would be accepting of listening to things that were hard and difficult about race, but they did. So it started with a relationship. And I think that we are, you know, loving, strong, professional women that, that would like to create these relationships all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heidi, why was that important for you to, you know, to, to really foster and create this relationship as Erica describes? Well, I noticed um, when we moved here about five years ago to Wisconsin, uh, how homogenous it was racially. And I didn't realize that before we settled in our town that it was like that. And so I did not know why the diversity was so lacking. Um, I had lived in a lot of cities and all over the country, as has Erica. And so I wanted to know it was different here. And I think um, approaching life with curiosity is part of my values and um, understanding that I don't understand everything and never will. And so hearing uh, the experiences of others is really valuable to me, um, both as a nurse and as, as a person, as a friend, as a a fellow church member at the time. And um, when I heard her stories, I was um, surprised about what she had experienced in the community. And then I guess not surprised as well. And the more I listened, the more I heard her frustration and pain and isolation of having to bear those stories on her own. And so I think my role in Bridge the Divide is is to be a friend to Erica in a lot of ways, you know, and because she, I mean, I see her as the community leader. um, And I think everyone else does too, but I, I, I see myself as the one who needs to check in and make sure she's okay. And yeah. yeah, And, and, you know, also sometimes, I mean, I think we both value the voice of a white woman and a black woman together because different people will listen to different aspects. And we also, I think we have different work. And so um, as white and black people, and um, yeah, so I don't know, I probably veered off of your question, but (laughs) no, 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 I think, I think part of that is, you know, I mean, let's just get to the chase, right? In Cedarburg, we even call it the Cedar bubble. Um, And, and we have this, you know, this thing, I will describe it where we don't, you know, do the work that you're doing um, as as actively as we should. And so that's why I really wanted to kind of share, have you guys share even the work that you're doing about how, you know, how you're helping those conversations. Because I think it really starts with how those conversations manifest themselves and how we kind of have to be, you know, kind of putting ourselves out there. So I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about, you know, what those conversations have been and how that's, you know, how that's even manifested itself for you. So maybe Erica, maybe share with that a little bit for us on, on these conversations. Right. I I think that one of the things that I bring to the table is a different perspective, obviously a different lived experience, um, 
I, I will often say to people uh, that the skin I'm in just automatically gives me a different experience than 94% of the people here. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's the one. Some of those experiences are common. You know, if I, I am a Christian, I am um military wife, I am a nurse, you know, I'm a parent, I'm the, I'm the suburban mom. Some of those things we have in common, but you also need to hear and pay attention to the things that we don't have in common. So that when I hear comments about, you know, the them, we talked about having a, I think, public transportation extend into Ozaki County. Well, mm-hmm. we don't want them to come here. Okay, wait, who is them? Mm-hmm. And why is that, that, why did that, why is it the first place that you went to? And then what does that mean to you? And why does it mean that to you? Mm-hmm. I, it, I am the them. I look like somebody that you have seen on the bus before. So what do you know about me? What do you not know about me? Why are you forming those opinions? Why are you, why is that, that fear, this automatic response? So for the people who have not been in proximity to people who have a different experience, a different perspective, this is your chance. I'm like, this is, this is free money, right? You get, you get to have access because I'm allowing you to have access at this time. So let's use it. Let's use it well, learn something from what I know and what I've experienced. So I think a lot of what I bring is just that different perspective of a lived experience that you're not going, no, no matter how well-read, no matter how compassionate and empathetic a white woman is, she's not going to have lived almost 50 years as a black woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not going to happen. So. Yeah. Heidi, thoughts on that from your perspective too, just those conversations? I think I'm realizing more and more is that people are uncomfortable with hard conversations intention. And I'm not sure why that is. I think some of it is fear, but I think it's when we enter into conversations about race or other hard conversations, death is a conversation I have to have at work with cancer patients. Um, people get very uncomfortable. And I think it's because it makes us think about things that we don't want to think about. Mm-hmm. And so with race, um, it's much easier to just say, well, I wasn't there when there was slavery. And then consider yourself a good person and someone that's not racist instead of hearing and listening to the perspective of a black woman in your community saying, no, you know what, here's what I've experienced or a a child in the school system. Here's what I've experienced and it's painful. And so if, if these conversations bring up pain and tension, then we have to feel things that we don't always want to feel. And so I think uh, being grounded in community and in your beliefs and, and, um, the, the knowledge that you don't have to be perfect and that there's always room for growth, um, are some of the things that people have to enter into the conversation with, or they'll be defensive. Yeah, for sure. I think I read a quote, Erica, that you had said something like, we put the truth out there, what we put a soft edge on things. And I, and I love that statement because there is this fear and the judgment that, you know, we, we feel as a white woman, I feel like, gosh, am I, am I going to be judged? Cause I don't know what I'm doing yet with this topic. And I am trying, I'm being vulnerable to that, but that whole soft edge, Erica, talk to me about that, 
What's yeah. the soft edge of this? Because I think that's a misperception of this discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a good and a bad. It's this tightrope that I am constantly walking, which yeah. you know I think leads to the exhaustion. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is why it's so exhausting. Is yeah. I want people to be at the table. I believe that everybody's experienced experience is is valid and should be heard. So if we're going to come to the table and you're going to tell me about how you grew up and what you heard your parents say and what your family life was and why you think that this is peeling away at who you are and how you grew up and that's not fair, I want to listen to your story. At the same time, I need to say, I'm so sorry that was wrong. <laughs> and and without calling names, without throwing out labels, I don't want to do anything to you that I don't want you to do to me. But the truth is still the truth. You still have to know that the, the history that you learned when you grew up was incorrect, you know? that your grandmother told you all kinds of bad things about Native Americans that live nearby. It was incorrect and you have to unlearn that. So, so sitting in, as Heidi likes to say too, you know, sitting in the tension of, mm-hmm. I want to hear you and I want you at the table. And I think that shouting ugly words back to you, especially when you're shouting those words to me, is not going to help. So I want to take this other approach but man, to, it, it's tiring and it cannot be a one-on-one conversation with 90,000 people in Ozaki County. Right. <laughs> so right. it's, so those things are really, I think it, it I, the safety of having a conversation with someone who is willing to listen to you, willing to hear your pain and your thoughts but also willing to push back to say, well, you've got to change that. It's, it's not right. And you've got to change it. And, and I can help you. I can, I can lead you to another person. We can bring in people as a part of Bridge the Divide that can help talk to you about that. But we can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, because you're sad and you're hurt that it's okay. And you can just stay in that space because you can't, not if we're going to move forward at all, you Mm -hmm. can't stay there. Right. Definitely not if we're going to move the needle. It doesn't stay in that same, that same place at all. Right. Heidi, as you've, you know, listened and have and facilitated the conversations uh, here in Ozaki County, once people make it past that piece of, okay, I think, I think I'm willing to listen and not judge. And like, you know, cause this is a journey, right? It doesn't happen. That, that first mm-hmm. conversation is different than the fifth or the sixth conversation. What do you find people most curious about as they start this journey of mm-hmm. learning, right? This learning journey, because really mm-hmm. that's what it is, like breaking yeah. down that wall. And what do you find people most curious about first as you listen? I think a lot of people's story uh, resembles my own, which is I didn't understand a lot of things, anything really about race in this country historically until my mid thirties. And so to have gone through the U S education system, I had a master's by then. And it wasn't until I started hearing perspectives of other people. I started, we started listening and I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan at the time. And we were listening to some talks in our community and I started reading things. And I think people like one of her first, um, 
emotions is disbelief. Like, wow, I, I got this far in my life and I thought of myself as a good person. And here I was um, unknowingly harming people in the policies I supported and the attitudes I carried and the practices um, I did without knowing. And so I think the first first thing is really just that, I, you know, they, they use the term woke, which I don't particularly love all the buzzwords because they carry a lot of other meetings for people and things get political very quickly. Um, so, but for me, it was just a, and then it, it moved into um, curiosity and excitement about what are these, what are some of these terms I don't understand? What are some of the practices I have in my classroom or what are the things I'm teaching my kids or how am I approaching the news? And so you just start to kind of unpack the way you've always done things and you bring a, a new perspective to it. And then I think activism where we're at, where I'm at now is later as you, mm-hmm. um, you find that you can't continue to see um, the world as you do now and, and not do anything about it because you realized how long you just went around your business. And as a white person, you can do that. Right. You don't have to do, you don't have to change anything because things are good for me as a white woman in America. Right stacked against every person of color because that wouldn't. Erica, can you hear? One, yeah. One, one of the, the things too, to kind of the, the other side of Heidi's, um, her points that she's making there is that I also had to learn for my personal well-being, the people that I want to talk to are the people that are curious, are the people that are ready to hear or starting to hear. And I have had to, stop trying to engage, although my goal is to save the world, right? I have had to stop trying to engage with people who really just want to debate me mm-hmm. or who really have, um, you know, they really have no desire to mm-hmm. learn, grow, to change where they are on the spectrum. They just want to fight me and prove that I'm wrong. So I have had to kind of step back some to say I I can't engage there even though that person could have the most to gain and you know we could show how these conversations are changing you from this to this and this great story and write a great book <laughs> it's it really is I I can't keep doing that yeah. because if you're not even going to listen and come to the table and have a seat you just want to shout at me from the door well then just leave and maybe somebody else will be the one that has the conversation with you or is able to plant or if we're if our conversation is going to plant a seed that that same person has no idea and it's 5 years later and they go well wait i met a black person once she wasn't a criminal ooh <laughs> You know, but but you do have to you have to come to that point because you start off saying we've got to tell everybody we've got to teach everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody is not listening. And there are a lot of people who are. So -hmm. we're going to have to focus on trying to talk to those people that are listening and engage with them and see how we can Mm -hmm. change hearts and minds and change policies and laws (laughs) all together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even just, I, I imagine that had to be just emotionally draining for you, even getting to that lesson for you of, okay, I can't, I can't do it. I can't save the world for everybody. I'm kind of one of those people, like, I want to fix it all. I want to fix it all, but it could be so emotionally draining. You're all already drained from 
your set of experiences, again, that are totally different than mine. And now you got to like deal with us, right? I right. Say us that are trying to <laughs> fix ourselves, right? And if we're not ready to fix ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, I bet that was just a kind of a yeah. mountain to climb, even for yourself. Definitely. It, it definitely is hard. And it's a, and it's a happening on a daily basis too. It's not, it's hard once because of that one mean guy. It doesn't matter um, yeah. if you are nice, well-intentioned, if you're continually harming a person, why would you want someone to sit in the wake of you just continually disregarding their humanity and just sit there and go, mm-hmm. okay, nice. Which is also one of the things that comes up with the unity is not justice. Mm-hmm. I don't have to just to make nice with everybody say, you know what? I'll forgive you for all of your wrongs continually. I'll never speak up and tell you that maybe you shouldn't say that, or maybe you shouldn't do that. Or maybe you're, you've got this giant blind mm-hmm. spot. You're missing something. I, I don't have to do that, but mm-hmm. do I have the energy to always go in and correct you and always go in and, and ask you to not say or do a thing or always be the person that's trying to get those scales off your eyes to see something that you can't already see? I, I can't do that. The realization that I can't do that is kind of, you know, we're, we're women and moms who think that we're super women anyway. Like I can do everything. I can't do everything. (laughs) And, and that's a, you know, that's a hard, it's a hard place to get. And then you end up kind of picking the things that don't wipe you out completely every time you do them. And that's the thing that I'm going to do this week. And that's going to be the plan for next week, because otherwise it's just really, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And, and, or having our community as you, um, I can't remember who used to say it to us, you know, you're preaching to the choir, but the choir gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. So having that community grow and be willing to be involved also takes the pressure off of, mm-hmm. you know, the one black person that I know within a, a, a 30 mile radius has to be the one that says that I mm-hmm. can't do it. So I'm curious as even as I I've thought of my own journey, what's your advice to those people that are just on just coming to that place, you know, even both of you, right. From both of your perspectives, really just coming to that place to be ready to listen. What's that, what's that next bit of advice you give to those people that are there they think they're getting ready, right? They're, they're, they're not in an argumentative state like you described, Erica. What's, what's that advice that you would give to those people? I think as a part of my learning for self-care, that it's a lot of, I, I'm glad that you're curious and interested. Now go read some stuff. <laughs> now go find a, a, a lecturer you can listen to. Go to a workshop, understanding that I I cannot be, this is, you know, part mom, part nurse. I homeschooled my kids. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a part, part time fake teacher that, that I can teach everything. I can, I can help anybody. I am willing. I'm a good listener. I know that sometimes you have to change how you deliver a message to deliver a message. I could do that, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't be the person that's educating on everything, on every, and, and I think that's a change for me because I can, I can do anything. Why would I want you to think that I can't do something? I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And so that it has to be, I am glad you were there. 
Now you've got to do some education and I need you to do that. And then as you've done that, continue to come to our conversations and then let's grow and build things from there. So I think, yeah. I think the education piece has to, you've got to do it. You've got to do some of the work yourself. Like yeah. don't, don't find the one person of color in your life and ask them all of your questions because the answers are really out there. <laughs> and the other thing is um, I just led a bunch of book clubs uh, for my doctoral work. Um, I'm working on the anti-racist perspective in academia and one thing I noticed, and I've noticed in myself too, is that it's very easy to stay generally appalled about the, the racist um, policies you see or the instances of racism you see in the news. It's very easy to be appalled from afar, and it's a lot harder to own your own work. It's a lot harder to say, I still won't pull into that gas station if I see a Black guy in a hoodie out there and it's 6 a.m., I still won't do this. And so um, it's it's continually ch- challenging ourselves, especially as white people. And I don't, I don't think guilt is ever a productive emotion. And so I don't believe in white guilt. And if people think that we're trying to instigate white guilt, we're not. It's it's a growth mindset. It's how can I as a human being And race is one aspect of that. It just happens to be the one that we're focusing on because you can't focus on everything. And this is the one we're both interested in. So um, it's not about feeling guilty. It's about learning your history and, and then learning what attitudes and perceptions you've carried your whole life that have influenced the way you, you know, interact with people and the way you make decisions, the way you vote, all of these things. And so Um, we also like to say a lot that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Like you are not, (laughs) we are not, I have not, this is not overnight work. This, this has been the work, a 400 year problem in our country. And we're starting to make some strides, but we have a long way to go. And to say, to approach um, our country that is in a post-racial state is, I think it's false. Um, I think there's a lot of data that there is a lot of data that shows the disparities of living in this country as a person of color and a person of um, Caucasian background. So do the work and figure out why that is. And um, yeah. And it's okay to to make mistakes. I think the other, the other thing becomes our our desire for perfection that we, that mistakes you you cannot make a mistake. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. Okay, then we're going to have to wait another generation to even get to move that needle a little bit more. So mm-hmm. it is it's okay to make mistakes on that that marathon. Just mm-hmm. get up and then keep going again. We both yeah. have really spoke to you know this growth mindset. If I mean you don't grow by just being perfect for darn sure. Right. Like that does not happen. Like you got to fall and it gets messy and it doesn't feel good. And it just, you know, and you feel bad and then you make the other person feel bad. Like there's this transition that happens, but if you're not willing, like you said, to do that work, to really engage, um, I think that that is part of the, that's part of the battle. I, I, I think for, even for me personally, that like starting to get over a few of those hurdles, in, mm-hmm. in my perceptions of things and my, you know, and, and you got to start with your, where you're at mm-hmm. first. And, and to give us a little bit of credit, Heidi, I think we, all of the work that we do is not 
all of the hard work, right? We think about the holistic view of it. So yes, you're going to have to sit and be uncomfortable and learn things that you didn't know, but you can also make sure that your children see uh, books that have all kinds of different um, um, ethnicities and cultures and, and religions all showing up in a book. And they can, they can have that book as a part of their library at home or at school that you can have a play date that you, we love our parks in in the suburbs. Okay. Well, how many other parks could you go to that you may, you uh, as the mom and you with your child meet somebody that you haven't met before, you haven't had a conversation with before, do that too. Let's have diverse dining. Let's have some outdoor barbecues. All of those things. I mean, we think I think it's a complete picture that we're trying, we're not trying to only point and excise the one, you know, here's uh, Heidi with the tumor cell, right? We're not only trying to go in there and get that, we're trying to help with the whole yeah. of humanity, the whole mm-hmm. of the, the the people in our community to make our community whole. And some of that mm-hmm. needs to be with the healing, mm-hmm. facing some of those hard things that have already happened to help the people who've experienced them heal from them. And mm-hmm. that will in turn heal our whole community. So it's a really holistic approach, I think, um, which is also why when, when people say things that aren't true about us, I'm like, you you haven't met us, have you? <laughs> you yeah, haven't been a part of it. No, we don't say that. No, we yeah. don't do that. No, we're trying to, you know, this beloved community is a, I think it's a real thing and it is a real goal. And I really would like to see that. Something. Well, you both are so, I mean, you're, you're busy moms. I know Erica, your, your children are a bit older, like my, my daughter, but um, we're still, like you said, we're trying to do, and, and ju- I'm just amazed and, and thankful and grateful for all the contributions that you guys have met made, uh, especially into our little community that we have, um, the, the work's just really, really important. And, um, I, I, you know, just thank you first, um, because it's, it's really, really meaningful stuff. So I know this is growing. I can see it. I can feel it. I know it's meaningful, not just for me personally, but I can feel it. I can feel it in the community as well. And so I know how busy you both are. So even today, just being, I mean, our time went, we're done, um, but our our time went really fast. But just even having the time that you guys carved out for me today to share with our our listeners who, you know, are, you know, they listen to the podcast, not just because it's about women, um, but it's about women making a difference, especially in their communities. And, and all the time I hear back from people like, I just, I'm just trying to get better, right? So if this touches you know, a couple lives along the way. Um, I, I just, I hope it does anyway. So, um, so that's all that went really fast. Like all of a sudden I looked down at my watch and there it is. So, um, so thank you both. Uh, we'll, you know, bridge the divide podcast, tell them, tell our listeners too, where they can hear about your work. I almost forgot that question. So how can people connect with you guys in your work? Yes, we are. Our website is bridge the divide.life. If you do dot some other domain, you're going to get some political folks. That's not us. <laughs> Bridge the divide dot life. And we have a presence on Facebook. It's uh, at Bridge the Divide Community is our handle there. And then on Instagram is at Bridge the Divide uh, Podcast. Awesome. Yes. And you can get uh, the Bridge the Divide Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, right? Wherever you listen. Yes, From definitely. Well, thank you for highlighting women's voices. We believe in the power of women and mothers and um, see them doing 
beautiful things in the community all the time. So thank you for your work too and for having us. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, ladies. Great to see you. Have a good day. We'll <laughs> talk bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Women Who Open Doors. Ask yourself, what women are you mentoring today? You too can make an impact. And please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. See you in two weeks.